0: And what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down, and the unexpected challenges that come with a life saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend, but what won't change? Needing health insurance.
2: baby. Hello, my love.
0: Ready <sighs> to record this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash Termion Podcast <laughs> if you'd like to see uh, how red Brighty's eyes are right now.
2: it's It's been a lot of crying it today. It looks like
0: you were just in the middle of crying. You no,
2: know, it started this Day and it's gonna end this day, it looks like.
0: Yep. Uh that was my bad. I got upset at technology and raised my voice. <laughs> and uh and I I think that I think that you thought I was upset at you.
2: Because I was recording the episode.
0: I know. <laughs> I know, I know. I fucked up. I fucked up. I'm sorry.
2: It's okay. I'm just really tired. It's my bedtime. Oh. <laughs>
0: this is It's fine. This is great. This it's is great. this is this is what vulnerability is all about.
2: Um whoo-hoo.
0: Is that Look, I have to ask. Ha.
2: ha, ha, <clears throat> ha, ha. Is
0: is this a uh, is this is that something that um Is that a problem I need to work on? <laughs> 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 like like i mean is that it is that because i feel like i've done this before where i'm i get frustrated at inanimate objects and uh and uh, jesus i don't want i don't want the folks at home to think that i'm like you know um no. breaking shit and like like scaring you because that's not the case If that is the case, please speak up now, but that's not the case. (laughs) Uh, But, but I do, I do get, I do get annoyed with technology Uh and, and angry at inanimate objects. And then, but then I notice that you're, you're kind of like, um, it's kind of like when you're, (laughs) I'm only joking, but you know, like when you, when you like get upset around a dog and a dog is like, Oh no.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And then the dog's like, Oh no, are you mad at me? Yeah. Um, that's kind of what happened there so is that
2: um no I think it's just it's uh it's just hard to it's hard to like be vulnerable when someone else is really angry even if they're not angry at you yeah right and so I think I think I don't know maybe it's just like the small little young person inside of me that's just like don't yell don't raise your voice, don't swear so much, even if it's not at me. Um, yeah, it's like, yeah my I'm upset if you're upset, you yeah, know, right. I don't know if that would happen the same way if I didn't like care about you, yeah. because if I've seen people do that, if I didn't know you, I probably just would have laughed at you. Yeah, yeah, as you should.: Yeah, I don't have that in me. I don't have, like, my heart just is there. It yeah, right. Just gets sad really easily.
0: Well, babe, I'm sorry that I got upset and you had to, and you were there.
2: I mean, I was already here emotionally. I right. was already here because this is, I think, the beginning of the decline of estrogen or of really, like, I'm in that uh, part of my cycle where, like, I started wanting to get really insular. And so. I think getting out and at seven thirty at night and recording is a, a video, lot. yeah, is a lot. Huh.
0: Yeah, right. Is that so? Is that like? Is that is that part of this? Is that all part of the process? Like of what? Like a decline <laughs> yeah. de- of your period, <laughs> of your men, of your men- menstrual cycle. Like, yeah. Like if your if your estrogen goes down, is it like pretty s- typical for most most folks to be like? weepy? Well no 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 no. No, I'm not talking about like crying and and being emotional. But you said like you won't be oh, like insular oh, and yeah, introverted. Oh
2: yeah. Yeah, so that's the thing. So after you, so basically the first part of your day 1 of the cycle of a woman's cycle is uh the first day of bleeding. Right. And then for the like the next couple weeks roughly, you are experiencing a rise of estrogen. This is how I understand it. A right. rise of estrogen. And that makes you like increasingly outgoing, um, like more. You're 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 exhibiting behaviors to like r- attract a mate right around ovulation when you're fertile, got it? Which is the middle of your cycle, and then after you ovulate, the estrogen levels decline, as I understand it. Um, so that right before your period comes, you have like low low your lowest level of estrogen and which
0: makes one want to be more
2: yeah so alone it's, or it's like the away? opposite and not Apart? not alone, introverted maybe or introspective uh some people refer to it as like it's like the dark side of 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 it's just the necessary sort of i think it would be considered the crone stage if we're talking about like archetypes in your cycle so you're crone, you crone oh, like, like the an, old, an old crone o- oh. old crone lady yeah, right right yeah um you know preparing for death introspective like it's all part of the it's all a, attributed to that natural mm. sort of life cycle of your cycle and life
0: i, I have it here uh uh comp- common symptoms of low estrogen include uh Oh, whoa, that's wild. An increase in urinary tract infections.
2: Huh, I wonder why.
0: Due to a thinning of the urethra. Uh, huh. Irregular or absent periods. Well, this is like, this is, I think this is- Low a bit, estrogen. Yeah, this, this is, is like is for someone like, who has low estrogen.
2: Yeah, you should look it up. You should look up luteal or luteal cycle, which is, and estrogen, um, which is this phase that I'm talking about. Um, actually just while you're looking this up, I had a, I had a meeting last week with a herbalist who does a lot of, uh, work with, uh, fertility awareness method. Right. So she's, she's, uh, she's going to sort of coach me along here. Okay. Here we go.
0: Estrogen levels rise and fall twice during the menstrual menstrual cycle. Estrogen levels rise during the mid follicular.
2: So that's like a few days after your, your period starts and then,
0: and then drop perceptive Perceptuously after ovulation.
2: Precipitously. Preci- precipitously. I'm gonna need a dictionary for that.
0: Alexa, what does precipitously mean?
2: Precipitously is an adverb, usually defined as abruptly in a precipitous abruptly. manner. Abruptly. Abruptly.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, the secondary rise in AB. Uh, yada yada yada. Oh man! Holy fuck! This is just it's this is dense. this is for nerds. This is just nerd central. I I can't understand any of this shit.
2: The corpius luteum.
0: Oh yeah, no, none of this. <laughs> this is a different podcast. Not for us.
2: Um. Okay.
0: Well. Um,
2: so yeah. Regardless. Regardless, this is a part of a natural part of the cycle is well, to, yeah, is well, to, yeah, do more of your like processing and yeah, planning yeah. and researching gotcha. and stuff during that time.
0: All right. Well, I'm That's, sorry that I got angry at the uh, computer things while you were around <laughs> and uh, I'll try to be less, you know, cause this, the, the, my anger is something that I've been working on pretty much my entire adult life and I've had bad bouts of it. Yeah. Um, again, I don't want to. I don't want to worry the viewers. I don't want people to think <laughs> that I'm like throwing plates right by your head. Uh, I've never done that. But I've but I've had like I, when I get angry, more, more often than not, it's at myself. Yeah. And then I take that anger on myself, it, out on myself,
2: and it's quite violent.
0: Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's I verbally. Mean, well, well, hold on, hold on. Quite
2: aggressive. There's
0: different types of violence. It's right. not. It's not it's
2: physically violent. No, no. Although you have hurt yourself. I have, a yes, of times. yes, yes, I have. Yeah.
0: Not, not self-harm hurt.
2: No, but just, you know, striking. I've
0: punched a wall before. Or
2: the roof of the car, the inside of the roof of the yeah, car. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. you asked me once if there was a dent in the, in the car from
0: that. Yeah, yeah.
2: More than one occasion you said, I think I broke my finger because I got so yeah, mad. Yeah,
0: yeah, I've I definitely, bro- yeah.
2: Our fights have never escalated throwing things at each other. Oh, I don't think me. I've ever Jesus. even thrown a, like a pillow at you.
0: No. You did hit me once, though. When? You hit me on the chest once and then ran out. <laughs> it was one of these. It was one of these where you just went pfft, like a double, a double, a double slap on the chest and then ran out.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't. I Salt don't remember Spring. that.
0: Salt Spring Island fight. Oh. probably one of the biggest fights we ever had.
2: Uh, do you remember what it was about? Pfft,
0: probably something <laughs> so fucking minor. I don't remember dumb.
2: that being a big fight. Yeah. No. I don't remember fighting with you there. I have yeah. no fighting memories. Trying to think of any fighting memories. I just I remember fighting with you in Vegas, but you were just really drunk. We weren't really fighting.
0: No, no, yeah, that's just that's just drunk miscommunication.
2: I I remember fake fights. A couple of fights in the car, like arguing, sitting in the driveway.
0: Those are the worst, eh? And oh! then you just sit and sit and sit. Yeah, fight. I mean, yeah, th- th- <laughs> this is something that uh, that I've been I've been thinking about. As of late, like just the like energy that is put into fighting in relationships and how, how like nine times out of 10 fights in a relationship really are just, are just so avoidable. Like, like so, and, and about things that are so not worth fighting about
2: hundred
0: percent you know what i mean like and so what is that is that us is that us is is that is there a part of us that like i know that i i know this is i i know you can't like paint like a, a big general brush stroke across everyone but like is there a large portion of us that for some reason like the i don't know whatever the whatever the endorphin um release that happens during a fight. Like, is there a part of us that's like addicted to the,
2: I don't think so. The
0: chemistry of fighting.
2: I don't think so. You don't I think? mean, maybe I don't think so. I think cause every there's fights in every relationship, I yeah. think. And, and I think about this a lot because my big question is, is it fucking worth it? Like we have this person mm. or people that we decide we're going to share our life with. Whether it be like, I just can't, I don't have a lot of really close, consistent, um, like see them consistently uh, girlfriends because my girlfriends that are like nearest and dearest to my heart are spread all over the place. So sure. I don't get to, I don't get to hang out with them on the daily, but do people have fights like that with their friends?
0: No, no. So, I mean like, okay, I'm thinking about like times I've had fights with Brian and Taylor.
2: Yeah. Have you ever punched the roof of the car? No. Okay.
0: No. Taylor and I have gotten into like maybe two really heated fights in our relationship. Okay. Both times alcohol involved for sure. Okay. And both times like basically like a difference of opinion and like like arguing about it and then it gets like heated to a point where it turns into a fight. Right. And like... We I've known him now for a decade. Yeah, two times.
2: Okay. Relationships. Yeah. You know. What's a week?
0: I guess it depends on the relationship. Really, it depends. But like, on- like if I was to sit here and think about a your and I's relationship, our relationship, like we've had a lot, tons, yeah, tons of fights. No, that's my phone. Sorry. I got a, I'll, uh, my bad.
2: Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We've had tons of fights and I, I don't know if it's like a vulnerability thing. We've talked about this before. Like, Mm. is it because this person has already seen you? Be a total twat in one way or another, and so like right. it's way easier for the gloves to come off and for things to just get ugly, right? And right, I mean right. Because you abhorrent. don't do that
0: with your friends, but you like, but you do that with your, but you do it with your family, like. I you know? think,
2: yeah, I think there might be something t- about like you know, g- g- getting your needs met, and when they're not met, or if you're misunderstood, or mm. if if whatever, it just it feels like you might be abandoned or right. it feels oh, yeah, like, yeah. it feels like this person has seen you or seen like a really bad side of you then that you like,
0: what if you showed all your friends, your butthole and, and your, and your dick <laughs> I don't like think that would help. once a day, you think you would change the way you've now?
2: No, I don't think so. I don't think it's, I don't think that if you,
0: but if your friends were licking your butthole once a day,
2: that's vulnerable. Then it changes. That's definitely vulnerability right there. I mean, sure. I bet people with like large social circles that they also have group sex with maybe they get into more fights with their mm. other friends
0: you yeah you mean like friend groups where there's a lot of like a lot of uh like incestuous sex within the group kind right. of thing yeah. yeah 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 i mean i can see yeah i could see i could see the drama kind of building there i don't know
2: but like a lot of arguing too is like how just getting on each other's nerves and things like building up after a while. Like I'm right. not really fucking annoyed like once that someone just left their like toothpaste spit in the sink, but like day How after day after day after day after day. Is that eh? a? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. I hate that. It's pretty lame. Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I still think there's something to the, to the, the like neurostimulation, like the the release of certain I don't know, like, you know, like well, like cortisol, I, I don't know. I I don't I don't really know what it is. Like I know cortisol is like a stress hormone, right? So like these release of certain hormones that like, although we fuck although everyone hates to be in a fight, down on some animal animalistic level, is it are the firings happening and we just like Cause you know, you know, like when you're sometimes in a fight and you're going, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And so you go, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fart right. I'm going to fart out loud right now in the most inopportune moment, because uh-huh. this will like, this will, um, you know, whatever, like shift the mood or whatever. Or, or yeah. you're like, you know what? I'm going to make a joke to like end this now. And you do it. And it's like, it feels good. Cause you're like, yeah, okay. We're getting out of this. But then the person on the other end doesn't receive it, right? And they're like, no, 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 no. Like, we're going to keep fucking fighting. Right. Or. I can't
2: imagine that. Or
0: or the other way around. Like, the other other person does something and you're like, I'm not, fuck, I'm not ready to drop this. Yeah. You know, like, in those moments, is it like a, is it some sort of firing in the brain? Some sort of hormonal release where it's like, I see what you're doing, but this subconscious level, this like animalistic part of me enjoys this too much and maybe enjoys the wrong word, but like is drawn to this. T- oh, fuck. Well, we know. need to
2: fight. I don't know. We need to yeah. release anger. We need to release tension. People go do boxing. People do martial arts. Like yeah. we need an outlet for that. We just have to be better at like determining when is a good time and an appropriate mm. time. To outlet some of that, because I I just feel like unless you're a really skilled arguer, you're fucking pulling out low blows here Mm. and there, whether Mm. it be dragging up shit that has nothing to do with right now, but it's just Mm. something you were annoyed about in the past or I don't know, like it was a misunderstanding and now you're just arguing about the way that you miscommunicate or whatever but I, I think that you're probably right. There is like a, I would say, a, some sort of like cathartic release when it's happening. But mm. the reward is never good. Even if you win the fight, even if yeah. you're right, it still fucking sucks because your partner then is wrong, and that doesn't.
0: That doesn't feel good. That for doesn't anyone. feel
2: fucking good. I like I for one, when someone apologizes to me after, after we fight, I'm like I get so uncomfortable mostly because I feel like I'm really the one who should be sorry.
0: Were you, were you feeling that way when I was like, I'm sorry that like before we started recording and I was like, babe, I'm sorry. I yelled at the computer.
2: (sighs) Yeah. A little bit because I mean,
0: no, but I am, but I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one who started that. I'm the one. Right. But
2: there's always an opportunity to not go there. Yeah.
0: You just, if you weren't such a little bitch, it wouldn't have been, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have went
2: there. Exactly. So you
0: should just let me have my panic, my, my little, my little freak out.
2: Yeah. That's what I try to do. And then laugh. When someone's having a tantrum with me, I try to imagine them as just a little kid. A
0: little kid. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Just like crying out for their needs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To be met. That's hard. But it's, it's like, we all have a threshold, and eventually, yeah. you know, yeah, fucking eventually, snap.
0: eventually, you can only handle so much of it. It's true.
2: Yeah, but honestly, read that fucking book. I know that you you sent me something to watch today, but the the way of the superior man was some, yes. some good criticism, which we will get into once we once I read the book, once you read the book, yeah. Because yeah. I would love to, and I have to read it as well, um, so we can properly discuss about it. But I I think there will be I think there's something that it teaches, which is like. In the moment when emotions are rising, Do like this, real, try this. exactly. Yeah, try yeah. this. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well,
0: um, now that we've gone through all that, yeah. uh, how about you had something that I, that you want me to prep here?
2: Yeah. Let's, let's check that out. Do you want um, to throw
0: into this? I don't, I have no idea what the fuck we're about to, what we're about to see right now. So. Um, I... I will. I'll cue this up, and we'll go into it.
3: Is that, yeah, is that let's you...
2: let's do it. I came across this on Facebook um a few days ago.
3: All right, yeah. uh, here we go. In 2005, archaeologists in Germany discovered what is Older. believed to be the oldest dildo known to mankind. It was 28,000 years old. Since then, there have been stone ones, wooden ones, bone ones, leather ones, rubber ones, silicone ones, glass ones, metal ones, long ones, short ones, vibrating ones, pink ones, purple ones, black ones, ribbed ones. For the last 28,000 years, dildos have been the same! Nothing has changed! They are all the same! Our determined engineers decided to try and do something about this. What if a completely new way of having sex could be invented. If only there was another part of the human body we could use to have sex with. Uh, hello? Um, hello? Yes, something that has been overlooked.
2: Uh,
3: over here, hello? Yes, something erogenous. Uh, <coughs> I-, I have over 6,000 nerve <laughs> endings in my skin, and my nerve endings distribution is almost identical to those in the women's vulva. No, it can't be this that obvious.
0: Speaking right now how
3: has this been overlooked all these years?
0: Is a, the is balls a ball sex.
3: Use the balls for having sex with ball sex? Could it be possible that ball sex was actually a thing? Could it be that our ingenious scientists had ended the 28,000 years of tedious, repetitive artificial phallus designs?
2: But how will
1: we use them to have sex with? They're floppy, pendulous, useless sacks.
2: You can't do anything useful with them.
3: We will have to contain them. We will have to present them in some kind of cage where they can be inserted into an orifice. Yes. It
2: has arms. Something that makes them rigid enough for penetration. But something that still keeps them exposed so that the nerve endings can still be stimulated freely.
3: Over the next three years, our engineers worked furiously to create such a device. Something that would be easy and painless to put on and take off. Something that would stretch to fit most men's balls. Hooray! <laughs> Introducing the Baldo. The world's first dildo that uses your balls for penetrative sex. The Baldo is unique. It uses the erogenous skin of your balls to give the wearer a different type of orgasm. A ballgasm. The Baldo gives your balls a piece of the action whether your penis is erect or not. 2021 is the year of the Baldo. We need your help to start the ball sex revolution. This is how it works. The Baldo's internationally patent-pending design is made from 100% interesting safe platinum silicon <laughs> that can stretch have to watch over your balls with ease when putting on
0: okay so on. so it's ba- it, i mean it, it 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 sort of looks like a butt plug right, yeah. for, for the listeners it, if, again if you want to see this uh, we just watched that entire animation there on patreon slash Termion. um uh but it yeah it looks like a it kind of looks like a butt plug uh-huh. but with the base is like a a sort of like housing unit for the ballsack Man, I'm. You want one? I'm dying to know what that's like.
2: Well, it's funny because I was watching that video on YouTube. So I saw it as like an advertisement or something. And then I went to the YouTube and I was like, oh, they're raising money, obviously, to like. Okay, so this this, isn't. Oh, so this isn't
0: actually. No. Something that's being manufactured right now. Well,
2: it is. Twenty twenty one is the year of the Baldo. I don't know if you're. I did hear that. Yeah, uh, but I think they are soliciting funds to help make it a reality. But uh, are they?
0: What, is it a Kickstarter or like how are they doing it? I don't know. I but feel like Kickstarter wouldn't back uh, a sex toy.
2: Oh, interesting. I, I actually
0: don't. I don't fucking know that. But but that's my.
2: Look I mean, that up. I was up. just
0: gonna take a, a, a guess.
2: Look that up and uh, but but. After this YouTube video, you know how it rolls into the next one? The next video it rolls into is um, some testimonials. <laughs> testimonials. Right. Um, they, they have like a couple chatting about it and, and then a guy talking about it and a woman talking about it.
0: It says here, the, uh, the, te- the sex tech revolution will not be crowdfunded. The masses want innovative, innovative new sex toys. They just don't want to be seen backing them. Uh, oh. This is an article from Mashable. Alex Fine, CEO of sex tech company Dame Products, knows better than most just how effective crowdfunding can be. Last year, her tiny startup made history for the first sex toy ever to be featured on Kickstarter. Crowdfunding is incredibly validating, she said. If you want to know if you have a good idea, crowdfunding can help you figure that out. Turns out she did have a good idea, and the money her company raised has allowed her to turn it into a reality. So Kickstarter has done sex toys. That's exactly the kind of dream that the rise of crowdfunding economic, economy promised, the demo, democratization of supply and demand. But when it comes to raising money for sex toys, many entrepreneurs have found that the reality of crowdfunding is the opposite of dreamy. So, I, I, I mean, I, I won't go and read the entire article, but it seems that... Um, it seems that... It, it's possible, but most people have a hard time publicly backing it
3: mm.
0: because it's a fucking sex toy, right? Right. Wait, like, it's it's basically the, it's basically the, the, like, the beaded curtain at the video store mm. of of crowdfunding where it's like you don't want to be seen going in there.
2: Oh, I see. You know? Okay. Like, yeah. It, oh, you, right. You, you be, you be. Because be, it's public. Yes. Yeah. Right. right. Um that's interesting that is
0: interesting uh, but but it, do, can you do you know if people can buy the the baldo?
2: I don't know I think you can uh love to it, try th- it. these people have obviously tried it yeah i it's funny too because I see a lot of i've been noticing a lot of different sex toy companies lately they've been coming mm. across my path and uh but all but even like the innovative toys seem to be more like um Like accessible sex, like accessibility, right? right? But this one, I'm just like, is this is this for double penetration? Is this just to have a second option?
0: I'm sure you could use it for that. Yeah, you could probably have you know have your have your cock in a in a vagina and your balls in a butthole. Yeah, with I mean, with the way this thing looked, yeah. But also, it's like like if you if you have a hard time if you have a hard time getting or staying erect, right? But then you slip this sleeve onto your balls. I mean, maybe that maybe that would feel really nice. I don't know. I I've I've I as of recently, I've been having my balls more paid attention to in the oral department, uh-huh. which is not really something I, I'm quite used to, and it's very nice. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm really fucking curious about this.
2: Okay. The well, Baldo. maybe next if, Valentine's I mean, Day. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Valentine's
2: maybe. Day 2022. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I would
0: I would love to give it a review.
2: Um, and
0: Balder, if you're out there, I mean, hit us up. You want, you want you want a podcast to review your shit. Send one this way and I'll, I'll give you a, a real good review.
2: I'll send them this. Um, and then yeah, the other thing I wanted you to bring up was just the do not be confused with Baldo the oh
0: shit Baldo's a a Nintendo game mm-hmm. crazy um and is that
2: still current I don't I, I, I don't know I've never
0: heard of Baldo I I, I have a uh, you mean the Nintendo Switch yeah oh fuck yeah okay oh yeah 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 I still rocket uh, release date summer twenty twenty so Baldo is out I'm gonna have to check that out Baldo. Um, sorry. Did you want to read something there?
2: No, I'm gonna keep it. I was just gonna, I was gonna drop it just in case, but what, um, to to I'm gonna hold on to it.
0: Maybe release it next week. Yeah. All right.
2: A Little teaser.
0: All right. Well, uh, let's throw to this week's episode. Yeah. Uh, do, do you want to give a little intro?
2: Um, this week's episode is with. Katie Maloney. Mm. Um, she's based in the United States, and she is an author of uh, "Fuck." I don't remember the name of the book. I don't have my computer with me.
0: We don't have any of our stuff here. I don't have we're, in a, we're in a different studio. We don't have anything ready.
2: Um, How
0: embarrassing!
2: Well katie Maloney what's the name of your book
0: uh Katie Maloney spoke to us about her uh her very very um, her very interesting past of of experiencing pretty intense sexual trauma but then taking that and and kind of taking back her own life and uh and then in turn writing a book about her experiences and sharing how others can take back their body and take back their confidence and take back their sexual, uh, their sexual, um, expression after going through something so fucking traumatic.
2: Yeah. So trigger warning, um, sexual trauma, childhood, uh, sexual trauma. We don't get into the details of that so much, but the name of her book is called Cake, Pops and coffee. Mm-hmm. It's a little different. That's why I can remember it. Mm. Cake pops and coffee, and um, and yeah, like Jeremy said, it's a, it's sort of a, a guidebook. She said it was a book she wished that she had been able to find. You know, when she first, um, started her healing journey at the at a, a young age in her late teens, early twenties, and uh, she concludes all kinds of, um, of information for anybody else mm. who might be. Kind of recovering from the same thing. Mostly she talks a lot about masturbation and touch. And uh, But I think for anybody out there who's, who's uh, kind of working through their own healing journey, there's going to be some great tidbits in here.
0: Sweet. Enjoy this conversation uh, with our new friend, Kate. Um,
2: Hooray! I feel like this yeah. one's this is another one of those long time in the making ones.
0: Yeah, I was going through the email chain earlier today, and I was like, "Wow, this is from this is from all the way back," and like, what, I mean, was what this was be it? like before November in twenty twenty?
2: Uh it's, it's yeah. Well, I think long. originally, um, actually, well, I mean it, this this is all about yeah, back in November, November early November. There we so go. a handful. We're finally
0: joined by Katie Maloney. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Maloney? Maloney. Yep. Yep. Nice. Sweet. Um, uh, Katie, you've, you have a, you have quite a, um, quite an interesting, and I guess like, um, I, I maybe it's not so safe to say, but like harrowing story. Um, and I feel like, um, Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know where the, I never know where the fuck the conversations are going to go, but I feel like maybe there, there might be, it might be valuable for us to put a little bit of like a trigger warning at the top of this episode by just saying that, you know, we might, we might dip into the territory of, of, uh, sexual trauma, um, which is, you know, it's, it seems that a lot of the work that you do stems from that, uh, that space. Um, why don't you give yourself a little introduction to our listeners who, who might not have come across your work?
1: Awesome. Um, first of all, I love the word harrowing.
2: I'm <laughs> so cool with that. So okay,
0: cool. Sweet. Perfect.
2: <laughs> think it belongs in a Harlequin romance novel. Like.
0: I, I, I think I, I think the way I think I prefaced that because I, I don't quite know the actual, I don't think I know the definition really of harrowing. <laughs> so I was like, maybe I'm using this fucking totally wrong. He's looking at um, that folks. He's looking at Harrowing it is acutely distressing. Well uh, I mean that sounds I don't know what
2: that does it sound like what you meant? Does that
0: sound yeah does that sound like I don't know. I fucking don't know. I don't know.
2: Harrowing, but we moved through it. I like There we it. go. There we
0: go. Okay.
1: Um, Hi, so my name is Katie Maloney. I am an author of the book called Cake Pops and Coffee, A New Conversation About Trauma. And I also work as a tra- trauma survivor coach. I do one-on-one coaching, as well as um, I have an online healing program for anybody who isn't really comfortable with one-on-one, but really kind of wants to start moving mm. through some of the trauma they experienced at their own pace. Um, and really, I started this work. I started writing the book about eight years ago. And it was because I had experienced um, 18 years of sexual abuse by both parents. And I moved away, I was away from the abuse. And I I was about 19 or 20. And I really started realizing how, like, I was just kind of drowning in my shit. (laughs) And Mm. there was so much stuff to work through. And so I looked to books for guidance, but all the books That were available were so heavy and even just the titles i didn't even want to read the titles i just like felt overwhelmed just looking at them and so i was like i need to write the book that i need in this moment and so i just Mm. spent the next eight years like going through triggers and moving through situations and writing about them until really the whole book was finished and that's why cake pops and coffee the the whole concept is being able to talk about trauma in a way that's lighthearted and even humorous at times like you're sipping coffee
2: and eating cake pops with your best friend when you started writing about it did you know you were writing a book or was this mostly through like you just did you already have like say a journaling practice where you were already kind of doing this stuff in writing
1: i've always journaled um but i do know that i remember the day just sitting down and being like oh my god I need help with this and there's no one talking about it. And so I know for a fact that other people need help with this. So I'm going to just start writing about my experiences and eventually I want this to be a book. So I had no timeline, but I knew that I eventually wanted to be able to publish it as a book.
0: Mm. I'm, I'm really, um, I'm really curious to know, you know, the, the sort of like the sort of step by step uh, of, of how you, end up in a position where you decide to, cause like everything you just said right there, I'm like, wow, that fuck, what a, like, what, uh, what a journey to, to land in a place where you're like, oh, there's like the resources that I feel like I need don't exist. I've been through it. I'm going to create it myself. Um, I, you know, it's like, I, I feel like I've heard that same kind of narrative surrounding things like, Oh fuck! I don't. I don't know with like some some sort of example of like you know. I, I, I've always had this issue with like wrinkly sheets, and everywhere I've looked, I couldn't figure out how to like unwrinkle my sheets. So I decided like, to, like to create my own de de wrinkle. You're talking about something that's like again. We'll come back to the word harrowing. Yeah. Um, 18 years of of sexual abuse mm-hmm. in in within your family. Um, how do you like? I guess this is a roundabout way of saying did, was there more to just you doing this taking this like journey to try to create a resource out there um in terms of like you did did you have like did you have a did you have um Were you going to therapy at the time? Like, did you have, like, what was the, what was the work that you had done to get to a point where you can even fucking fathom doing that work? Because that seems like a lot of work for someone who, um, is struggling with like really intense past trauma.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, had gone to therapy all throughout high school. Um, but I mean, there are really amazing experiences with therapists and there are not so great ones. And throughout high school, it wasn't a great one. Um, And I remember Mm. I never even told her what was happening. And I didn't actually say tell anybody until I was 18. And by that time, like, okay, well, now I'm I'm moving away and goodbye. Um, And so, Yes. I had gone to therapy, and since then, I've had incredible experiences with therapy, um, mm-hmm. but I also think that therapy is often like an archaeological dig into your past, and it, you get to a point where you're like, okay, I get what happened to me. I know how it's affecting me now, but how do I actually move forward from here? And mm-hmm. so I really got to the point where I had spent about a year or two um, really just working out with myself and being like, oh, I'm experiencing a trigger right now. And just talking, basically reparenting myself and talking myself through the moment and kind of figuring out those things. Um, But I realized that I really needed help when I entered into like my first long-term romantic relationship. Um, Right. And that was when it goes from you dealing with your own shit by yourself to now incorporating another person into all of it. And I was determined not to kind of put all of that on my partner, but also being able to feeling comfortable opening up to a partner. Um, And that was like, that was when I realized I need a book about this. And people, there were so many books that were like, okay, well, here's, here's your trauma, you're storing it here, this, this, like reflect on what happened, dig deeper into the experience. But no one's like, okay, here's how you hold a person's hand after experiencing sexual trauma, and you can't even touch them. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. no one was walking you through that steps and especially no one was walking you through things as simple as that in a way that was lighthearted and approachable and not heavy. So that's really um, where I knew that I wanted to write this book.
0: Right.
2: When was your first like long term relationship that, that like, cause like I would imagine so many, you'd wake up to so many Um, triggers within a relationship that you wouldn't even be aware of when you're just doing your own work.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's exactly what happened. Um, I felt like I had a good handle on things until I was in a relationship. And um, then all of a sudden these triggers just came up out of nowhere. Um, And so I, I had gone on dates, but I wasn't, it wasn't until I was 21 that I was in like a really long term, actual like committed relationship.
2: Yeah. It's, it almost, I almost, this maybe this is a dumb thing to say, but it almost seems like 18 years of drama is like, it would have to be a full-time job to process (laughs) like (laughs) many, many years, you know? Is it?
0: Well, I mean, that's, it's like that those are the most formative years of your life, right? Like, uh, I mean, and and, you know, if this is like too, if this is too much, just like, tell me to, you know, push back um, by all means, but like, how much considering it was like the first 18 years of your life like how much of those experiences um how do i word this like like how much did that fuck with your your own identity you know what i mean like like did you did those experiences like seep into your your identity like in some sort of fucked up way where you you felt like you you were your trauma?
1: Mm, um, great question. First, I do, I'll just say that I spent an entire chapter of my book talking about masturbation, like in detail. So there's nothing that you can say that's going to like make me uncomfortable. Nothing okay, gonna great. Okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, great question. Um, I think I, I want to say two things about it. The first is for whatever reason, I will say that since I was a little kid, I had this like I'm very grateful that I've had this ability to just recognize that my circumstances weren't me. Um, And I remember just at one point as a little girl, like after having been abused, laying in my bed and just like looking outside at the moon and holding my own hand to like comfort myself. And I remember just thinking like I was probably six at the time and I had so many more years left of this, but I was like, okay, someday this is going to be over and I'm going to be out of this. And so like, by whatever for whatever reason, I had that ability, which I'm really grateful for. And that really allowed me to kind of um, maintain my own identity throughout this. However, at the same time, of course, there's all kinds, I call them bullshit thoughts. There's bullshit thoughts like your only power is in being sexually attractive or receiving any type of support or love isn't safe because there's strings attached. Like there were all types of beliefs that I developed as a result of that in addition to voids like safety I had the safety void I don't have parents that kept me safe so like all of a sudden I was in I was in my early 20s and I was like deeply looking to other people for safety or things or a bowl of ice cream to like feel safe and so there absolutely there were things that kind of mess with you in that way um and Mm I and that those are two really big things bullshit thoughts and voids um that i talk about in my book too and how to really just get cozy with your voids make them your best friends learn about them and then just find ways to really give yourself what you need
0: turn me on podcast we'll be back after this short break
3: ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well
2: I would like to hear more about that process. I was like just like scrolling through the the different steps or the different chapters of your your trauma program um mm-hmm. and I was really with regards to that like excavating core beliefs that you don't know you hold about mm-hmm. the world like what what are the questions you you ask yourself or you coach other people to ask themselves to Discover what those core beliefs are, because like they're like our core beliefs are in everything that we do, but we're they're so unconscious to us a lot of the time.
1: Yes, Um, I love that question. So one of the first things that I talk to people about is just notice what thoughts are reoccurring and are very loud in moments where it seems like they're out of place. So, for example, um, one of the things that I was told was as a kid growing up during the abuse was like, if I felt (laughs) beautiful, like I would be like, someone would throw ass in your face. Like that's what they used to do. And like, someone will like mutilate you if you feel beautiful or if you're confident. Mm -hmm. And so again, fast, like fast forward to when I'm 20 and I'm getting ready to go out with my friends and it's a great night and it's super fun. And I look in the mirror and I start to feel good. And then all of a sudden I'm like, no, do not, don't get dressed up. Don't wear that because someone's going to like throw acid in your face. And it's like, that sounds insane. That's completely irrational, but it's so deeply ingrained that it just pops up in my head, like so nonchalantly. Um, And part of the practice of really excavating those those bullshit thoughts is just paying attention to the the thoughts that pop under your head frequently. Um that really, I mean, that's pretty out of place. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um and once you, it sounds like maybe it, it, it's a difficult thing, but once you start paying attention, those thoughts, like you notice them right away. So that's the first step.
2: Do you notice them more when you are like well that was a very specific example. Um mm-hmm. you know, like I'm just thinking of like some of the voices I've heard in in my mind, you know, telling me like, oh, you can't do that. You know, in the middle of like a moment where I'm like, I'm actually getting kind of excited about some a possibility. And then and then that voice goes, yeah, but think of all don't the be, obstacles. Don't be stupid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And And yeah, I guess I'm just wondering if you come across those voices more in specific situations like where you are – trying to connect with someone or when it's in quiet moments of like meditation? Like, do you have to meditate to hear these thoughts? Do you have to have a certain kind of mindfulness practice to even be able to like hear those thoughts?
1: I think that actually when you are meditating and you're being mindful and you are more connected to yourself, you hear those thoughts left less because they're the ones that aren't real and you're more connected with your truth. Um, So I would say that, yeah, when I'm just every day going through everyday activities or trying to connect people, that's what comes up. And, and for the more subtle ones, I have a practice I also talk about in my book, find and save your past selves. And that's just going back to a moment where you really needed something but didn't receive it in your past. And that can create voids and like deep pain and wounds that we're trying to fill with other people or things in the future. And so that practice is going back to that time and really being the person who comforts your past self and gives you exactly what you need in that moment. And then you take them away to a safer place. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things that I encourage people to do, as far as those more subtle thoughts that kind of come up and the bullshit thoughts that are kind of more difficult to unpack is um, I'll just recognize that I'm starting to feel a weird feeling. Like I'll be like, Ooh, I'm super insecure about Uh this right now, or I'm super triggered by this or I'm really angry and I don't know why. And I'll be like, Ooh, this is, who is this? This isn't me. Who is this? And I'll just sit with myself and I'll be like, hey, who is this? Who feels this way right now? And almost mm. every time a memory will mm. pop up of like one of my past selves, like either a six year old memory or thirteen or even like two months ago. And I'll be like, Oh, this is where that's coming from. And you can mm. kind of move through
2: that from there. I did so go ahead, Jeremy. No,
0: no, no. You go for it.
2: I-, I feel like um I'm, you know, I'm almost thirty-seven and I I you know, I think I went through a lot of my twenties being like, no, I'm I'm cool with my i i didn't I didn't come from from um that this kind of trauma, but I, you know I was just like I don't want to have a problem with like my past, so I'm just gonna be cool with it and then I hit my thirties and in my thirties I've been like,, eh, maybe some of that stuff is actually still affecting me, and I should go back like I just wanted to like not have a problem. i just <clears throat> wanted to like be cool about the past, but the more that I learn about those voids and like lacks and when you need something you didn't get and what that can do in your developmental period, just like in general, I'm like, Oh yeah, there's, there are probably some like not super obvious, but impactful memories that I have of that stick in my mind still as a 37 year old woman of like, why do I carry that memory with me? And Mm. as I move through my thirties, I look at it and I go, Oh, that stuck with me because it, it, It like taught me something profound, either about myself or the world. And in a lot of cases, those things that taught me are not relevant anymore.
0: Mm. Katie, where do where do you think you you developed this like tool belt? You know, like these these things that you're referring to that that are peppered through your book. Like, where where do you where did you? What's the catalyst to to like discovering these for yourself?
1: Um, I, I would say survival. To be honest, um, mm. I think, especially as a kid, and even through adulthood, I really had two options. I could either figure out how to truly love myself and like heal and make sure that I actually get to live the life that I want to live, or I can become an alcoholic right. <laughs> and like start doing drugs, really, and just go down a terrible path and just continue to recreate my trauma over and over again. So those are really my two options, um, and I just deeply from a young age, I saw people go to the other, to that like darker side. And I just felt so much darkness as a kid that I have like committed at a very early age to never put myself in that situation again. So Mm. that's really the reason.
0: Uh, You, you had said earlier uh, that there's a, there's a large chapter in your book about uh, masturbation. Um, I would love to talk about that. Um, uh, Specifically, you know, like I, I, I assume that, um, you know, a a large portion of our listeners are female and, and I know that statistically, a lot of females experience uh, sexual trauma at some point in their life and um i know that there's varying degrees of that but um i can only imagine that uh going through some sort of experience like that takes a bit of a toll on the way that you feel about your own body and uh how you interact with with your your you know future partners um so can we can we can we kind of dive into like um what your thoughts are on on taking back your own body after going through something that that can be so traumatic and and maybe like what you know ha- like how does one find joy in 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 masturbation after trauma how does one find joy in their in their their sexual partner after trauma hmm.
1: this is one of my absolute favorite things to talk about um because it is one of the least talked about things and it's one of the most important things that trauma survivors really need to talk about. Um, so w- one of the, okay, I just want to say one thing about the chapter is it's also the most rewarding part of my book because it's something, I mean, of course, it took a lot of vulnerability and openness to share as detailed as I do in that chapter. Um, but I did so because <clears throat> that was one of, Experiencing pleasure and allowing myself to feel pleasure, w- both with myself and with a partner, was one of the biggest struggles that I faced on my healing journey. And I know that so many other traver- tra- uh, survivors have experienced that. And um, when, once the book was published, I started. I, I still receive messages from people who are like, "I just read that chapter and I just started crying because I thought I was the only one who ever experienced that." So mm. that feels great. Um, so really, what I talk about in that chapter is. Um, when I, again, I noticed these things when I was by myself, but once I entered into a relationship, that's when they really started to come up. And one of the things that I realized is that um, because of the abuse, and this is something that happens with a lot of people who experience abuse, you are forced (coughs) to orgasm in an abusive situation. Um, And so Mm -hmm. you actually are conditioned to orgasm in only those types of situations. So when I was with a partner, Or if I was masturbating, I had – in order to orgasm, I had to imagine something that was, like, degrading or, like, fucked up. And I hated it. Mm -hmm. It did not make me feel good. I didn't want to do that. Um, But I had no idea how to do it. And, again, I mean, this isn't something I was entirely comfortable with bringing up to a therapist when I was, like, 19 years old, you know? Mm -hmm. And it definitely is not something that people are talking about in books um, and especially not in a conversational, lighthearted way. Um, So – that's so. The chapter is really about um, learning all the ways that I did try. Like I tried to be open with my partner and talk to to him about it and be like, and he beautiful, so amazing and supportive. But that's not going to do it. You know what I mean? Like another person isn't going to heal you. Um, and then I tried to learn everything I possibly could about the human anatomy and like experiencing pleasure because then I thought if I was an expert, maybe that would help. That's did not help. And it wasn't until I discovered some pelvic bowl healing meditations um, and other energy work that, I really started to heal and really, and I talk about this in my book and I share like during the program, I share guided meditations that people can do for pelvic bowl healing, but it's really just going into your like womb space and healing a lot of the energy that you're holding because of trauma there. Um, And a lot of times we, as women who experience trauma, a lot of times we just completely disconnect with that feminine energy as a way to protect ourselves. Um, And these meditations are designed to like, bring us back to that space and heal it. And, um, and really just discover that, yes, maybe my physical body was violated, but at no point was my energy taken away or like someone else's energy, like in me, do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so that that was really healing. Um, and then I just practiced, honestly, it took like months of practicing, like I'm going to masturbate today. And I'm not going to think of anything degrading. And, It's not fun, and it's taking forever, and like maybe I have to stop for the day. Okay, but then I'm gonna keep practicing. So it's not like it happened overnight. It's definitely something that took some time, but I know that it is possible.
2: What Mm. kinds of uh, masturbatory aids did you find particularly effective?
1: Well, um, I mean vibrators, (laughs) of course. But I I also was like, well, this is that's like 45 seconds, and I want to (laughs) practice a little bit longer. Um. But I would, I would say, honestly, I just, view, I, it was really important to me to be fully connected with myself and like do this for myself at first. So I just used like my hand and I, you know, um, and then, yeah. And then I built from there, but to start, it was
2: really <coughs> to me to just be connected with myself. I guess when I asked that, I was wondering if like erotic literature or mm. audio or any kind of pornography or any, if there were any sort of like. To get out of the stories that you used to have to tell yourself, did you have to, like, learn new stories? Because like, mm. imagination is a huge part of, like, masturbation for me. Yeah. So, like, how do you find new narratives?
1: Great question. So I used to, like, I would do
2: literatica and,
1: like, um, but that again, it was always like, if I started with something that was like consensual and romantic, it was like, this isn't doing it. And then like, just go back. Um, so I really, what helped me was I didn't even think about a partner. I just thought I focused entirely on like, this would feel really good. That This would feel really good. I would feel really hot in this outfit, you know, whatever it was, and just like focus on those things that had nothing really to even do with, like sex or a sexual partner. Um, and it just allowed me to ex- purely experience pleasure. Um, and then I gradually, again, as I practice built up to imagining sex with a partner um, or with mm-hmm. another person. Cause I wasn't even able to, to do
2: that at the beginning. I love that. That part about like, I'm going to wear this outfit. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to get dressed up for myself. Mm-hmm. Like you're kind of like dating yourself a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah
0: on the on the point of that like um you trying to steer away from the the like the feelings or 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 fantasies of like degradation mm-hmm. um is that is that something that you've you've tried to steer away from completely or like or do you feel like there are parts of that that you actually do value, it's just, it's just like in moderation or, or from a from a different like point of view or from a different, uh, uh, perspective rather than something that, that is like inherently, um,
2: disempowering.
0: Yeah. Disempowering or like unhealthy.
1: Yeah. I, um, I think that I am open to all of it. And my main, the only parameter <laughs> that I have is, does it feel good? for me. And Ooh. if it does, then awesome. Um, but what I want to make sure is am I doing this just because that's what I learned and it doesn't actually feel good, or am I doing this because it feels good? And I and I think that um for me with like a partner that I do feel safe with and um comfortable with, absolutely I, I, I'm comfortable with like a fucking <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. like yeah. 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 Um totally. It doesn't always have to be like the most romantic like um, I don't know what that guy is with the long hair, but, uh, Fabio, that yeah, name? Yeah. Like, yeah. Fabio book. It doesn't have to be like that. You don't yeah. have to like lay me down on silk and roses. All right. Sure. Yeah. That's Hansel, bon Jovi, Hansel
0: from, from, uh, Zoolander. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I'm, I, I so in, in this kind of, in it's kind of staying on topic with this sort of thing, um, specifically surrounding like, you know, taking back your body and, and, and reacquainting yourself with pleasure. Um, how do you, how does, how does your partner work into this? You know, like, how do you, how do you have those conversations for the people out there who are listening, who have been through something similar to you and still haven't crossed this bridge? Like what, what do you say to those folks? Um, in terms of like how to incorporate the communication that is necessary with their, their partner in order to like yeah. cross that bridge?
1: Yeah. Oh, I love the question. Um, so I, I actually have a whole workshop about how to share your story, uh, because there's so many right now there's so many platforms that, uh, I'm so grateful for them because they really laid the foundation for people to start having these conversations, which is amazing. Um, but there's so many platforms that really encourage people to share their stories. And they're like, it's so empowering. You're going to feel so great. Um, and that is the case usually for about 15 seconds after you shared your story. But then like an entire floodgate of emotions comes and you're like, oh my God, I feel shame. I feel embarrassed. I'm terrified. All of these things I'm triggered um, <laughs> and nobody really talks to you about how to deal with those things. Um, and one of the things that I do talk about during that conversation is how to talk to, um, a partner when you feel comfortable. Um, and one of the, one of the things that I say, and I use it in my own life too, is that, um, there's been times where I've been dating someone and I, I wanted to tell them right away. So it was like, before we had sex, I was like, I just want you to know, like bubbles have this conversation. And then there were other times where I was like, I don't want this to even be part of our thing yet. So mm. I just want to have sex and I don't want this to even like I don't want my past or my experiences to even come into play yet. And that's okay too. So really the first thing that I say about that is you 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 can incorporate your partner anytime you want. You don't have don't feel like you have to bring them into that healing journey like right away.
2: Mm. And what about from the other perspective, um, from where you stand, like what have been the most, especially early on in the processing, like what have been the most effective, uh, ways your partners have like shown you that they're there for you?
1: Mm, um, yeah, I think one of the <laughs> best ways is having, a partner, I, I think I mean, I think the best sex is when both of you are like in it and totally present. Um, and when you are in that situation, your partner can usually pick up on the fact that you're not present and you're kind of starting to like drift off. So one of the most helpful things that I've had a partner do is be like, Hey, come be here with me. Okay. Like come back, come back. It's like, oh yeah, okay, cool. Um, so that's been one of the most effective. And then beyond that, really just it's been really helpful to be able to talk about things without it being like, okay, we're going to have sex. And I'm like, are you okay? Are you, you know, I, I really, it was important to me to be able to be like, Hey, this happened and some things may come up and when they do, let's have this conversation. And these are some things that will help. Um, but I want to also be able to enjoy having sex with you and it not be like this
2: elephant in the room every time we have sex. Um,
0: right. so yeah, <sighs> yeah, let's not obsess over it. Yeah. yeah.
2: So that, that want, makes me want to ask you about section nine of your, um, release unfiltered rage, uh, uh, of your program, because there are inevitably times in your relationship or outside the bedroom when you get into a, a fight and, you know, based on your history, you have like, you're triggered in a, in a way that, that <laughs> unleashes probably rage on a partner that, they don't deserve, and it's not really connected to the the singular like thing that was done. It's got it's a whole you know, knapsack of of past stuff. So like, what about in conflict?
1: Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. Um. Well, so yeah, I love that. That's one of my favorite cool things to talk about is how to recognize. I mean, yeah, one of the most important things and my favorite things to talk about is just recognizing your own stuff. And so, and allowing a person that you love to kind of navigate that with you, but not putting it on them. And during conflict, I think that's especially important. Um, So one of the things that I recommend is when you are in a conflict and you start to feel you're like spiraling, you want to call this person all of these names, you feel super triggered. I'm usually like, Hey, there's a lot of shit coming up right now. And I, I can't even begin to unpack it right now. So I just need some time to think about this and figure out where it's coming from. And then let's reconvene and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been really helpful as far as the unleashing unfiltered rage. Um, that was really important to me specifically because I found that so many of uh, specifically the women that I worked with, um, mm-hmm. never allowed themselves to truly get angry about what they've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also found myself, my default is like I would become enraged and I would just start crying because that was sadness was an emotion that I was taught was like, okay, that's fine. As a woman, like you cry all the time, that's fine. But like anger was not something that women really even learn how to express. Um, and so and I realized another a bullshit thought that I had learned growing up and a bullshit lesson was that um if I get angry, the abuse will get worse or Something that I love will be destroyed or taken away from me, and so as an adult, every time I felt this like anger boiling over, I'd be like, "I am grateful for my life. I am grateful for my car." I Let <laughs> like, myself be mad, and I was like, "Girl, fucking get pissed off!" And so that's when I developed this whole workshop. So, like, women, we need to learn how to express some.
2: Anger I when it comes to trauma. I really love that. I I, I really love the idea of like. Um, you know, Jeremy and I both come from an acting background where there's a lot of somatic work. There's a lot of somatic, you know, stuff that you know when you're 18 and 19 years old and you're in university and you don't know anything about like you're going to acting school. You don't expect to like necessarily excavate all of your work your dark, through
0: your demons, all yeah.
2: your, do all your shadow work. Um, but 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 the vocal expression and the physical expression of releasing or working through challenging emotions I think is like such untapped potential in terms of just like providing almost instantaneous like somatic release you know just like they don't have to be words probably I don't know how you work with rage but like sounds and movements Mm. and just like I always call it like exercising it like like get it out Yes, moving around. I love, I love
1: that. And I do agree. I think a lot of people are hesitant because they're like, well, that just means I have to scream and I'm not comfortable with screaming or swearing or whatever. Um, but I have, I call it like the introverts' guide to rage <laughs> and like that bubble wrap and like pop bubble wrap or rip paper. Like if you're not comfortable with doing more aggressive things, or I mean, if you are, then take a baseball bat and like go outside and just bash. To baseball bat or dance like make a rage playlist and all, yeah. all your favorite like anger songs and just dance or scream in your car while you play it. Stuff that like one's it.
0: mine. Mine's mine's music. Mine's like when I'm fucking just wanna my boiling over. I just I, there's one song that I'm like I'm just going to play this song very loud in my car and hopefully no one knocks on the window to ask if I'm alright.
2: The whole town of Halifax is like Jeremy's angry about something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
0: It was actually the first it was the first vinyl one of the, one of the first vinyls that I bought when I got a a, a record player. I was like I got to I got to get that album. I got to I got to I'm going to have some days where I just need to put it on wax and, and fucking rage out in the living What it was now. it? Uh it's a Queens Against the Stone Age song. Um it's it's just a really aggressive opening song on uh, one it. of their older albums, yeah.
2: This um, might be a bit of a a personal question, but I I find myself in the discussion of rage asking like and assuming that a lot of the stuff you came across in before you wrote your book, do they talk, like, what is the deal on the role Mm. of forgiveness in the Mm. trauma healing?
1: Yeah. Beautiful. So I actually was just talking to somebody about that. Um, so as somebody who experienced, um, you know, very long-term abuse, um, Let me back up for a second. As kids, most of the time you learn like words, good, this is good. And this is bad. And you put these things in categories. And then as you grow older, you realize that those categories evolve and you realize like, oh, nothing's really good or bad. Everything's kind of both. Um, But when you experience long term abuse, those boundaries between good and bad are so skewed. You never really learn them. And so as an adult, I was like 22 and I'm like, this is good this is bad. Um, and I was like, parents, those were, they are bad. Like those were bad and this is okay. Um, and that was, I needed to be able to do that in order to create like distance from those things that were really abusive and start to heal. But at now, as I've gotten older, I've realized, um, that doing that also kind of blocks, your ability to remember good things. So for example, um, because I had to shut down all of my past as bad, I don't really have a lot of memories from childhood, even good ones. And so my, over the past couple of years, my work has been going back and being like, hey, there were good elements to my childhood too. Let's reflect on these. They're also bad. Um, and part of that has been forgiveness and recognizing that, My parents, they weren't all bad or all good either. They were both. Um, And that doesn't excuse any of their actions. (laughs) However, I can now recognize that they were also just reenacting the things that they've experienced as kids. Um, And so there's... i think that again forgiveness is for the forgiver it's really cliche but i do think that it can be a really huge step in your healing journey to offer grace to the people who did who were abusive um because in the long run it really does allow yourself to offer that same grace to yourself um that said i'm never going to like rush anybody into that because it can take a lot of time to truly be able to forgive and I I also don't think forgiveness is linear I think there's moments where you release and you're like I'm good like I forgive this person and then you'll remember something three years later and you'll be like fuck that person oh my god and then you know it's just a kind of a cycle so I think yeah it's something that you can work to towards never feel like I don't think there's ever like a one singular end goal for forgiveness
0: that's I really like that, that, that forgiveness isn't linear because I, I've, n- I've never heard anyone say that, but it's, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really good point. And, and some, I think that's very valuable to remember, you know, that it's, because I think that they're, 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 if you don't look at it that way, then you're, you very well could be setting yourself up for feelings of like failure you know, to to not recognize that it that it isn't this like linear process, and that it does come in waves, and it's it it can evolve, and it's constantly evolving and constantly changing. So that's really really interesting.
1: I like that you said that because for a long time I felt like I was still trapped in the past or trapped in the trauma <coughs> if I didn't if I couldn't get to a place where I forgave.
0: Yeah. My right.
1: Um, but that's
2: again that's not that's not the case. Hmm. Um, what have you found since like releasing this book and and coaching with people? Like, do you do you think that there's like more to come in terms of like like do you have another job? <laughs> do you do other things? Like or, or is yeah. this your body? Is this your life? This is like where your life is taking you.
1: Yeah, I feel like this is where my life is taking me. I do um the goal is to be able to do things like this um all the time but I also work as a writer. Um, However, I have found, I think it's really funny because I work. I spent my whole life really working towards releasing the past and trauma. And now like almost my whole life is revolved around it. And so I've really had to find a balance between like, this is not, again, trauma is not who I am, but in a more positive (laughs) way. Now it's like the trauma work that I'm doing, but that's still not, who I am. I'm still like a whole person outside of that. So i had to do some work
2: on that. Awesome.
0: Well, <clears throat> Katie, I got to say, this has been a real treat to sit down and to talk to you about the work that you've done um, and about uh, the the book that you've written. Um, where can people find you? Where can people find your stuff? Where can people keep up to date with what it is you're, you're up to?
1: Yeah. they. So I have a website. Katie Maloney And then I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at Katie Maloney Coaching. Um, and then, yeah, so on my website, you can learn more about my one on one coaching. It's all virtual right now. Um, and then you can also learn more about the online tra- trauma healing pro- program and you can order a copy of the book.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day today. This has been uh, really fun, Katie. Thank you.
1: Wow. Thank you both so much. This is wonderful.
2: Nice to meet you.
0: All right. There you go, folks. That was it. Um, So glad you joined us this week and uh, uh, for uh, going forward, just so we're all clear. uh, We'll be back again next Wednesday (laughs) and you can join us then. So how about that? That's fun. Uh, And in the meantime, if you want to watch the foreplay segments of our episodes, we have been publishing those to Patreon, to all of our sweet, sweet patrons, um and a big thank you to all of you uh, patreon.com slash turn me on
2: um, you can also reach out to us at turn me on at gmail.com and you can still follow us on Instagram Ooh. at turn me on podcast and I think we have a Twitter account but we've never posted to it no. right yeah don't follow us on Twitter
0: Uh, alright folks I hope you have a good week
2: you sure do and until next week
0: go fuck yourself